Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Right, we're going to pick up in Romans 7. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and open it. Let's take notes. This is important stuff. Romans 7, Paul is talking about the law. And the law, mostly being the law that we would remember, and maybe you've been taught, depending on your background, is the Ten Commandments. Okay, I'm going to say some surprising things here, but stay tuned till the end. The Ten Commandments, so, so some of us have heard, do not do this, do not do that, do not murder. That's a, that's a good thing not to do. Can I get an amen? amen? Do not murder, please. And so we've heard all that, and sometimes that can become the foundation of church, of life with Christ. That's what we think about is the do-nots. It's paper. It's a stone. It's written on a tablet of stone. That's where it began. And we missed the mark. We missed the whole point, and all of a sudden, we are serving a stone instead of a person. We're serving a law with no heartbeat, with no person, no person behind it. And what happens is we, we lose out on power. There's no power. Can we all agree that the strongest, most potent force on the planet today is this thing we call love? People will die for somebody because of love. People go to war because of love. People will fight and give up jobs and sacrifice finances and comfort for love. And so God knows that's how he wired us. And so he's always trying to bring us to this place where there's a relationship founded and based upon love. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's all about love. (laughs) Okay, don't get too close. Don't get too close. And so I want to read a scripture. It's very surprising in Romans 7. And then we're going to flip on to Romans 8. And this is Paul discussing the power of the law in a negative way, the power of the commandments in a negative light. And pay attention, watch this. It says in that this is the amplified version. It says, but sin, finding opportunity in the commandment to express itself. So sin's finding an opportunity in the law. Sin is taking it taking advantage of the law, of the commandments of God. It's, it's, it's abusing, it's perverting. Got a hold of on me, Paul the Apostle, the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, is saying it got a hold on me. He was focusing on the law, and it got a hold of him, and aroused and stimulated, watch this, all kinds of forbidden desires, like lust and covetousness. For without the law, sin is dead. The sense of it is inactive and a lifeless thing. He's saying that as he focused on the law and the do-nots, it actually caused him to want to sin. So let's do it. We're going to do a little task here. Okay, we're going to test the sin level in this room, see how much it gets aroused. So I'm going to tell you one thing. Do not look at the roof. Don't do it. Do not do it. In this moment, do not look at the roof. Stop it. Oh, you're like... (sighs) 
I know you're moving your eyes even though your head didn't move. So, so see, in those moments when you're told to do not, what happens? I wasn't, you weren't even thinking about the roof. You weren't even bothered about the roof. You don't even like the roof. It's dark. Why did they spread black? That's ridiculous. But in that moment, I drew your attention to the roof and something inside of you wanted to look at the roof because I told you, do not. Oh, interesting. Because the whole Ten Commandments is a bunch of do not. Do not commit adultery. Do not have any other gods before you. Do not uh, take advantage of the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Do not, do not, do not. So what Paul saying, listen, I've tried to serve and submit myself under the tablet of stone which we call the law, and it actually just caused me to want to sin. It aroused sin in me. This is the problem if we come to a church or community of believers, and all we get is do not do this. Why did you do that? You shouldn't do that. There, it's a, it's actually, <laughs> it could actually work against you. It actually gets you excited, and you might start enjoying the sin more. Are you with me? Weird, but true. So, so what is the solution? Paul's talking about this. He's also navigating carefully because he's saying, listen, I'm not trying to say that the law is bad. I'm not trying to say the commandments aren't. He's saying the law is holy. It's true. It's perfect. It's right. Let's, let's look at the context of, of the Ten Commandments. What had actually happened was, was obviously the foundation of humanity has always been about relationship from the Garden of Eden, it's always been about relationship. But God had, was, was dealing with a society which were full of idol worship, for, doing, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. He realized that they actually they need instructions too. They need, we need structure. We need plans. It's not just about feelings. It's not just about lovey-dovey feelings. Have you realized that yet in life? If we left it to that, it, as humans, we don't do well. If the government just said, hey, drive how you want, don't worry about taxes, well, there would be no lights on, on the street. We wouldn't have a hospital. We wouldn't have functional society. There would be murder and there would be all kinds of uh, manipulation. There would be all kinds of sin happening. The whole point those, of those structures, which were based on Christian principles, by the way, when they were formed, was to bring life. Amen? But the problem is we do not worship and, and, and have relationship with law. The law was there to serve us, not for us to serve the law. Are you... Light bulb, I'm praying for the light bulb to come on. And what I love about God is God always speaks through vision. Because the Bible says without vision we die. We fall into religious routine. And so God has got a vision, a dream for your life. God wants to give you pictures, ideas of what a family might look like for you, what friends might look like for you, what community might look like, what, what your soul might look like, full of joy, unspeakable. So, so God has a vision for you. But what the devil always does is he comes to pervert the vision. He comes to give you lustful thoughts rather than pure thoughts. He comes to, to, to make you confused about your identity your sexual gender, your identity, all those things are perverted when the devil creeps in and he causes more than one option. He gives us more power than we need and can handle. Can you get an amen? And so what happens to our promised land is we end up stuck, confused, broken, and hurt. 
And it's not a win. And it doesn't actually get better. It gets worse. And so God wants to to bring back that vision. But that vision can only be found in a loving relationship, in an environment of, of love and acceptance and forgiveness, where sin no longer exists. That's where the, the purest of visions will happen in your life. The only way I honestly believe that the times that I've experienced God's presence and His vision for my life the most was in a time of worship. And in a time of worship, what I'm doing is I'm giving glory to Him. I'm in relationship with God. And God is dropping thoughts and communicating with me, not just through words, but, but through thoughts and through ideas. And, and sometimes some just stand out, and I just know that's different to normal. But, but in those situations, I don't feel guilty. I don't feel shame at all. I just feel at one. There's no, there's no bad blood, as people would say. There's no kind of weird, uh, I've done something to you last week and I'm just kind of faking, putting a fake face on here. I know you don't really like me type feelings. There's none of that. It's, it's guilt-free. It's shame-free. It's, it's a peace. And with, if, if I went into a scenario with a, where I was maybe living in sin or there's something not right with my life, what happens to me is I can't worship well. I actually can't see well. I can't see what really God sees because I'm too burdened by, oh man, I know you're looking at me to let go of that thing. I know you want me to surrender that thing, but I'm struggling here, and so I really can't worship very well, and I really can't hear very well. Has anyone experienced that too? And it's often not until I let go that God begins, I can see, and honestly, it's nothing to do with God. It's to do with me because I'm carrying, my, my vision is blurred because I want to do it my way. So, so I, re- I realized, I don't know about you, but I've heard um, all my life, and I think this has confused me, and I felt like God spoke to me about this, about spirit-led. And if I'm honest, because I, I grew up in a church world, and I love the church, and I love what God's doing through the church, and I, I know it's His A plan, there is no B plan, but one thing I've heard a lot within that environment, spirit-led. And honestly, it's mostly in the worship Spirit-led worship. What does that look like? Well, that means you go with the flow for one or half a song, and that's the Spirit leading, and that's like all heaven breaks out, and everyone's pure and holy, and there's no problems ever again. That was what came across to me, and, and it kind of skewed my mindset of Spirit-led, because it nearly looked like emotionalism in some ways. Like, if I feel like doing another song, that means that's, I'm being Spirit-led now. <laughs> And I'm not saying in the moment things like that can't happen, but it's certainly not the foundation of Spirit-led. It's certainly not the foundation of what Paul's trying to speak about. Hey, I've got a problem with sin, and I'm trying to overcome it. And so I started stripping it back. It's like, well, what is Spirit-led, God? And I started to think about, right, let's go to the beginning, because that's where you usually start. You know, what does perfect communion with God look like? The Garden of Eden, that's where we see it. And what did God do? He says, listen, I've got to give you something to, a place to live, a job to do, have your being, enjoy it, stay focused on enjoying it and doing life together with your wife, Adam. But what happened? God gave them a, what, a plan for spirit-led. He gave them a structure first for spirit-led. Planning is spirit-led. Structure is spirit-led. And then out of that, 
out of that foundation of structure, then you live within those boundaries. But they decided, no, I, they do not. Do not touch that tree. Oh, but I like so instead of staying focused on what was in front of them and investing in the relationships that they had, they decided this is, I, I have a better idea. And that's where things went wrong. And what then happened, we know the story, they felt shame and guilt and the relationship was broken. They felt naked and they ran away from God's best. The vision they once had was now blurred. They couldn't see it any longer. Why? Because of sin and shame. And so the question I would have for you is, what is the vision you have for your family? Let's, let's, let's have a scenario. Say you're not healthy, uh, you're not fit, uh, you know, you're just getting through the days and you know something needs to shift. You need to get back to doing some exercise, go on a connect group for your emotional well-being and social well-being. You, you, need, you need to, to give some rest to your soul. You're too busy. So, so you're getting a plan, right? So you start with a vision. I see what it could look like. I see myself healthy, I see myself active, I see myself with friends, sitting down relaxed for a bit in the week, also working hard but doing a good job at work because I'm not just drained. So you get a vision first, right? Um, but let's say, right, part of that vision is obviously eating healthy because do you know, dietitian, eating healthy actually does help your mind, it can help depression, it can help all those things. That is everything. Well, not everything, but a, a major part of a lot of these things to, to a healthy life and, and a whole life and a, a life that overflows and full of joy. And, and so say you come to Scenario and you're going down the road and you see a, co a coffee shop, but it's, it's focused on donuts and they call it guilt, guilt trip. Interesting name. <laughs> and so you're like, oh, it looks so appealing. Guilt trip. What a great name. Because that's exactly how you feel afterwards. Guilty but you go back so often afterwards. But, but the short term, it's satisfying. In the long term, it's, it's ruining your vision. It's ruining your plan. It's making you feel lethargic and guilty, and it takes you on a journey and a trip. On the other side, you know you're supposed to eat the apple, the good apple, the one that actually is good for an apple a day, keeps the what? A doctor way, they say. And so you know you're supposed to eat it, but the guilt is so appealing. You see, what can so often happen if we're not careful is if we keep focusing on the law and the do-nots is we get so attracted to the guilt trip. It's like a, like a never-ending cycle. We keep going back. We know we shouldn't. That's what Paul was saying in Romans 7. But, but, but I just I don't know how to get out. And Paul's trying to say, listen, I do it myself. The things I want to do, I don't do. But there's something else going on. There's a power issue. Because your flesh is at par against your spirit. And the reality is what you feed grows. And that's why it's so hard when you get into a toxic cycle of sin to get out. Sometimes you won't get out until things crash and get so bad that you have to get out. Are you with me? That's the same with relationships. That's the same with anything. Sometimes it takes things to go so far, but listen, let's get a good plan for the next time. Let's get a plan, a spirit-led plan in place. Let's get around the right types of people in groups. 
See, see, where you are, well done for coming to church today. Because where you're in and what you're a part of matters. It changes you. It's like, listen, we, we talk about this a lot in leadership. Sometimes the gospel is easier caught than it is taught. Meaning you see someone, Jesus came into the room. And the atmosphere shifted and then people were healed. The manifestation came. But you sense it and then you see it. Sometimes you're around people and, and if, if, they're t- if they're negative, have you ever been around a negative person? Always, I don't mind the odd complaint, but always complaining. How do you feel when you leave? One, they've, they've taught you that it's okay to complain and you should complain. That's what they've taught you. And they've nearly encouraged you to complain. Guilt trip. If someone's going to the guilt trip coffee shop, it's very hard to say no. (laughs) And so what happens is it's caught, and then then all of a sudden you start to make those same types of plans. You've got to be careful who you hang with. That's what we tell our young people. Tell us your friends, and I'll tell you your future. It's caught. It's caught, and then it's taught. That's why when we're saying about it being caught, you see it. You catch it. I see a vision. That's why if we can get people into church and people are actually committed to living a pure lifestyle before marriage, then it's caught. That's normal. That's the best way to do things. Absolutely. Amen. So what's this? It says in Romans 8 verses 1, so, so we flip from Romans 7, it's talking about I've got an issue, There's, the law is, is causing me to want to sin more, um, but now we're flipping to chapter 8, and it's talking about the solution, it's talking about a loving relationship, we're now sons and daughters, and this is how it begins, the first verse, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation, which means no judging guilty of wrong, guilt-free, not guilt-trip, guilt-free. For those, now what's this? It's only for those who are in Christ. Jesus, who live and walk not after the, the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the Spirit. What is he saying? You will experience freedom if you stay in relationship in the part of the garden that stay, keeps you in relationship with God so you can continue to catch his vision, catch his way. Follow his lead, obey his lead. Because as soon as you start to do things your own way, Adam and Eve, you will hide, you will feel naked, you will feel shame and guilt. And you're no longer in the room. You're no longer in the garden. You've, you decided to leave. You see, guilt has that, that, that way of pushing us away from healthy relationships, from healthy habits. From Guilt is what destroys it. It's usually us that walk away. That's why I would say, if we, I want to have a culture in a church that, that, that no matter what you've done throughout the week, last year, 10 years ago, that you still understand that you're welcome here. And that doesn't mean we accept sin is okay. We don't. But it means that we know that, that there's no, now no condemnation. Maybe the next time that you come to church will be the moment that you get the breakthrough that you need to make the decision that I'm no longer going to those places or hanging with those people, and I'm all in. I'm going to tell you a story. 
at the very end here just to, to give you a great example. It says, who live and walk, so watch us in Christ. I don't know about you, but, but when I get inside the room, things change. You see, when I'm in, in the changing room right before the game, I'm re- it, it affects me and prepares my mind to get ready to play the sport. When I'm in the staff room, the conversation is different to when I'm at home. When I'm in the bus, we're usually talking about the journey that we're going on, but I'm in the bus, it means I'm getting there, I'm going there. It's a different atmosphere, it's a different shift. When I go to hospital, there's a different mindset, an atmosphere, there's, different, there's something else going on in, in this place, and if I can stay in that place often, I'll get done what needs done. That's why sometimes, actually all the time, you need to be in Christ. That's why you had to be in the tomb so that we would be set free. And the question is, what are you in? Are you in the presence of God regularly? Are you in a group to give you a chance to make some friends who are like-minded? Are you in a team if you want to do the work of the ministry? Are you in? Because if you're not in, you're out. Are you in Christ? I don't mean just talking about Christ. I don't mean just going to church. That doesn't make you in Christ. Because where you become in Christ is in here. And the Bible says you put on, you clothe yourself with righteousness. You come in to his presence. This next season, this is our focus as a church is going to be about every single person in our church community to come in to his presence, to come in to his word, to come in to devotion to Jesus. Because you know what I realized as I was thinking about Spirit-led? This is how it came about. I thought, right, what do we need to do next year to get our church healthy, to get our church moving, to get people serving, to get people uh, sharing the gospel with, with one another in, in, their, in their workplace, and their families? And there was only one thing came to mind. Talk about strategy. If I can get them to come alive on the inside, if I can point them to Jesus and just a relationship with God, everything else will happen. I was like, who knew? It's that simple. But you know, one of the hardest things for us to do is to be vulnerable enough to open our heart. But that's why it's so important that we understand who God is. He's a good father. I know some of you have had bad fathers and unloving fathers and fathers who aren't open and can't be vulnerable with you. And it's hard, but, but listen, God is a good father. And let, let's talk about what that actually looks like. And so the question is, are you in? Let me give you a few examples. Um, let's say uh, there's a restaurant, right? And we know that we're trying to feed the flesh or feed the spirit and what we feed grows and, and gets stronger and beasts up and gets, it has more power and that's why we need to resist the devil and he will flee and if we do that then we overcome. And so the restaurant we want to go in for a feed but we go in but, but, but I'll tell you I actually went into Zio's the other week and, and just didn't feel like paying so I ran out. <laughs> but then I thought about it afterwards and Anna told me, like, you can't go back because 
Shame. What are you doing? Don't be an idiot. Guilt. I realize, I can't, that's a joke, by the way. I didn't actually do that. <laughs> but I wouldn't go back. And, and the reason I wouldn't go back is because I would know that they're going to reject me <laughs> and, and say, pay up. And they probably all reported me to the Port of Nine Times. Everyone else already probably knows. Probably on CNN. I'll just call it fake news anyhow. But I wouldn't go back because I would be guilty and I wouldn't want to be there. It wouldn't be a nice environment. It wouldn't be uplifting. It wouldn't be encouraging because I had sinned. Because I'm indebted. And I created an act. And so <laughs> I can't get food. I can't get stronger. My source is not accessible. See, sometimes that's how we see God. And so we see church, and how many people have you heard say, I can't go to church, I'll burn up? Why? Because they have, they walked out, and they, can't, they think they can't go back, but that's, there's now no condemnation in Christ. So what does that look like? Well, let's give another scenario. And I just, I lost my job and I want to go get food, but I can't because I can't afford it. I just don't have the money in the bank. I can't pay it. So I just can't access the food because I don't have what it takes. I want it. I can dream about it. I can have the vision about it. I can, I can have all these ideas about it, but I can't get in through the door because I don't have it on my card. I don't have the money in the bank to pay the bill. I don't even show up. Some of you aren't even showing up before God. Some people aren't showing up today to church and they're watching online because they don't think by the law standard they've, they've broke it and they're bankrupt and they know it and just like Adam and Eve in the garden, they're naked and they're hiding and they're blaming each other and they're blaming their parents and they're blaming their situation and they never come through the door. Now let's change the scenario a bit, third scenario. Um, I'm walking down the street and, and, and I'm an orphan. And the owner of the restaurant sees me and he's a follower of Christ and he sees potential in me. He, he starts to get a, a pure vision, a sacrificial vision that God has given him to take me under his wing and he decides to adopt me. And he says, listen, I want to give my life to putting your life back on course. You're jobless, you're broke, you're full of guilt, and you're full of shame. This isn't about just coming to get a feed once a week or just making it through. I actually want to bring you into the family. And I don't, I don't want just to bring you into the family. I want to give you skills and, and, and give you the business. And so this is no longer about just eating food or just getting through. This is about legacy. This is about, I want you to not just do it to adopt one person. I want you to adopt multiple because now you have a bigger team. And as we grow, we expand and we multiply. And I want you to take what I've given you and make it twice as big and to adopt two people and give them the skills and train them and equip them. You see, now because he's adopted me, I'm now a part of the family the food is secondary. The performance is now secondary because I have ownership. I'm a son of the business. I'm a son of the restaurant. 
And food is just what they do. And so that's a byproduct. You see, see, God has called us into sonship and to become daughters, to adopt us. It's not about performance or the law any longer. We are family. The condemnation isn't just a performance thing. If you get a job, if you're good enough, if you pay the bill, if you do the outreach, if you be a part of the team, no, no, it's way deeper than that. It's adoption. This is what Paul is, read it, this is what Paul is talking about in Romans 8. I've adopted you into the family. God has adopted you through the, through, the, through the price that Jesus paid, but it wasn't just to make you good enough. It was to, make, to give you purpose and put you into a position where you give life, you multiply life. We see people get saved from situations in the physical, but also eternally. The spiritual problem has been dealt with. You see, payment is no longer the issue. You see, when, it was a, when I didn't have a job, when I walked out and there was guilt and all that kind of stuff, it was all about the money. Money had my focus the same way the roof had your focus when I said, do not. Law. You're just trying to make it. But as soon as I became a part of the family, it was, there's something greater at stake here. There's something deeper. There's something wider. There's something something richer. It's not just transactional love. It's not just transactional Christianity. It's not just come and be good and go home. That We're building something. And it's a family. It's the family of God. And how it works is when we understand that there's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ, that you're, you're, not, you're, not, just, you're not just a distant person. God's not distant. He's close. Why? You're now on the inside. <laughs> you're now on the inside. You're in the room. You're wanted. <laughs> you're called. God has got vision oozing for you way bigger than you would ever think or imagine. You were always limiting potentially yourself just to getting a meal just to getting, getting through life. But God's saying, no, it's so much bigger than that. There's so much more than that. It's so much more important than that. Your son and your daughter. And let me tell you this, just to be honest. See, leaders, pastors, I don't know where you've, what background you've came from, priests, whatever it is in, in regards to what you represent God to, they get it wrong. I get it wrong. They make mistakes. They write you off. They've written you off. But listen, we're not talking about people. We're talking about God. We're talking about Jesus, who died for all those people too. And Jesus is bigger than all of those people too. It's the family of God, not the family of the pastor or the priest or the leader who hurt you. And so what does that mean? It means there's still no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the leaders and for the people under them. It means that even when you mess up or they mess up, God has got it covered. It's not about the payment is no longer the issue. You know what I honestly believe it's about? 
are you willing to stay the course? Are you willing to keep showing up even though you feel rejected? Are you willing to remind yourself that you're still a son and a daughter even though a human lets you down? Even though a church lets you down? And honestly, it's probably not a church that let you down. If they ever did. It's probably just a person. It's probably just a conflict of personalities. It's probably just like us all. Sometimes we judge from the outside. Me too. Sometimes I just do my best to make decisions. And I know fine rightly someone's going to come to me in years to come and say, Phil, you wrote me off, but thank you. Because you helped me to, to not put my faith in man. <laughs> I'm like, I said that too. I'm being honest. So I'm taking the pressure off myself. I will get it wrong, and I'm being honest with you now. So. But I'll do my best. I'm hoping I'll do my best to make decisions. But I'm telling you up front, <laughs> I'm not calling you to trust me or any other other leaders. I'm calling you to trust God. It's bigger than that. Your family. Not, not just my family, ultimately God's family. It's bigger than Aria Church. It's bigger than whatever church you went to before. It's worldwide. And so the good news is that God moves, moves despite humanity, despite imperfection, despite God used Paul, despite him saying, listen, I'm just trying to do the same thing Paul done. Listen, I try to do things and I mess it up. It's not, a, it's not an excuse for sin. I have no major confessions to make, by the way. But I, I'm trying to be real. To make the main thing, the main thing. So good enough is no longer the issue. You're on the inside. If, you, if you're in Christ, you're on the inside. You have access. Access will never be denied. Now, I want to finish with this. We're on a good time. This is a really important part. See, the payment has changed my access to the point where we all have a seat at the table. And so here we have Romans 7, trying to figure the whole thing with the law. It's arousing us. It's making, it doesn't give me power to resist temptation and evil. And here we are in Romans 8. And Paul's saying, listen, we're going to start right. I'm going to show you. I overcame. There's now no condemnation in Christ. It's about relationship. It's not about law. It's about love. It's about being obedient to God, staying away from that tree that I told you not to. For your benefit, I'm not trying to steal from you. I'm not trying to minimize opportunity. God's saying, I'm trying to give you more opportunity. And so here we are in Romans 8, and watch what happens. So it starts off, we've read this, I'll read it again. In Romans 8, it says, about the, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no judging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the Spirit. So when we're in relationship with God, we're close. We feed the Spirit. We get stronger. Our spirit man is, is starting to dominate the flesh the more we spend time. That's why devotion is key. That's why I realize as a church, if I can get people's spirits healthy, strong, and activated, everything else will follow. Because your spirit dictates them. I'm, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to that place. No, I'm not participating in this transaction, business transaction. The integrity's off. I'm out. You start to, you start to make decisions like that quicker. Whereas maybe when, when the flesh is a bit stronger and your spirit's a bit weaker, you're like, oh, I'm not sure. I see the benefits. I see how they could work out. Get ready for the guilt trip. Get ready for the shame. 
But as you come close to God, it's always been about relationship. So, so what's happened there? God has dealt with the past. You've came in here with a past. And, and the message to you is there's now no condemnation. It's paid for. It's not the issue any longer. Because the blood of Jesus, you move forward. Shame, go in Jesus' name. Guilt, go in Jesus' name. Yes, you messed up. No one can stand. Yes, they messed up. No one can stand. Blood of Jesus. You're free. Breathe again. <laughs> Peace again. I'm not saying there's not natural consequences, but God's bigger than those. God uses those. Watch this. It goes on to say, in the, that's, that's the start of the chapter. It goes on to say in, in verse 28, in the middle, we are assured and know that God, being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan, a spirit-led plan, for good to and for those who love God and are called according to His design and His purpose. What does that deal with? The present. That deals today, yes, you've got baggage and things happen. No condemnation. It's dealt with. Today, God's actually going to use your mess, your struggle, your fear. Because it's often the areas where you have fear and issues that faith has a chance to grow. So your past, your present, and, and, and the chapter finishes with this. In verse 35, who shall ever separate us from Christ's, what? Not his law, his love. Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation, no. The future, eternity, forever. Your past, your present, and your future are paid for. They're dealt with. What does that allow you to do? To get on mission, to, to live life with purpose, on purpose. To stay in His presence. To keep feeding the Spirit of God on the inside of you. To start to plan and, and have a guilt-free vision that allows you to dream again. hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariatchurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.